If you decided to listen to this week's message of Daxadeo Fichard Park, we know that Jesus has placed something on your heart. So let's dive in. For the last few weeks, uh, we've been busy uh, with this whole uh, journey and idea of winning the war in your mind. Now, why do we call this a war when it comes to our minds, when it comes to the way we think? And it's as simple as this, because the way you speak is actually just a fruit of what you think, right? The way you approach life day in, day out, week after week, month after month, year after year, is simply a fruit of how you think. The way you approach your finances, it's a fruit of how you think. The way you approach your sexuality, it's a fruit of how you think. Our lives are governed by what we call an inner belief system. And this inner belief system dictates the way my life pans out. Proverbs 23 verse 7, the writer says this, he writes, for as a man thinks, so is he. That word think that you read in your Bible in Proverbs 23, it literally refers to the different calculations that we make each day, the different calculations that run through our mind as we go about life. Craig Rochelle, the author of the book, Winning the War in Your Mind, he echoes that statement when he actually writes in his book, your life is always heading in the direction of your strongest thoughts. No wonder that that is a battleground, right? No wonder that is where the war takes place because the way I think determines the way my life plays out. And tonight's very simple because the truth is God has an agenda for the way you think. He has an agenda for the way he designed and purposed your life to play out. And it's really simple. God designs for your thoughts to be like his thoughts. He desires for your life to mimic his son Jesus's life. But the reality is the enemy also has an agenda when it comes to the way you think. And his agenda is really obvious because his agenda is to make you think, make you live in such a way that you worship anything else other than God. Whether it's money, sex, power, success, whatever it may be, that's the enemy's agenda when it comes to the way your mind is wired so that you'll worship anything other than Jesus. And tonight, I want to journey with you through this very simple idea. How do I defeat, how do I win the battle against my negative thoughts, my negative thinking? Now, when I say the word negative, this is really important for you to understand. I don't mean thoughts that are simply pessimistic or cynical. I don't mean negative thoughts in the sense of, Frack, it's cold, like I hate my life or something. I don't mean simply pessimistic or cynical thoughts. Look with me, it'll be on the screen. The definition of the word negative, it means this, a word, statement, or belief that expresses denial, disagreement, or refusal. So let's take this definition quickly and let's look at the life of someone who follows Jesus. Because when we look at the life of someone who follows Jesus, a negative thought will then be what? 
any word, any statement, any belief that disagrees, denies, or refuses the work of God in and through you. A negative thought is any word, any statement, any belief system that denies, disagrees, or refuses the work of God in you, that refuses God's ideal for you, that denies God's very best for you. It's a little bit broader if you think about it like that, right? Because suddenly I realize my negative thoughts can be anything from the range of my anxiety, my anger, my unforgiveness, the temptation I struggle with, the sinful habits I struggle with, anything that denies, refuses, or disagrees with God's best and God's ideal for my life. But what is God's best for me? What is God's ideal for me? Jesus makes that clear in John 10 verse 10 where he says, I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. Life in abundance. But that word life that you read in your Bible, that word life in the Greek, we call it, the, it's actually the word as Zoe. That's actually where the name Zoe comes from as well. But the Greek word Zoe, which translates to life in your Bible, does not refer to physical life. It does not refer to me sitting here breathing in and out. I am physically alive. No, it actually refers to the God type of life. It actually refers to the spirit kind of life, not where it's only my body breathing in and out, but where it's my spirit, my soul breathing in and breathing out. I'm spiritually alive to what God wants for me, desires for me, and planned for me. That is God's best for you. That is God's ideal for you. So when it comes to the way we think, Negative thoughts would be anything that denies, disagrees, or refuses God's life within you. Let's, I want to turn to, I want to spend time on two, two uh, scriptures tonight in the book of Philippians. So let's turn uh, to the first scripture in Philippians 1 from verse 12 to 14. I'm going to read it together for us. It says, I want you to know, brothers, this is Paul busy writing, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. I'm going to tell you in a moment what happened to him that he's writing about. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard that those words, imperial guard, he's actually referring to the, the Roman people, Roman soldiers that he's busy interacting with. Uh, it's, uh, throughout the whole imperial guard to all that, there, that, that my imprisonment is for Christ and most of the brothers having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear. It's our first scripture for the evening. But before we dive into these uh, few sentences a little bit deeper, a little bit of context and history when it comes to the book of Philippians. The book of Philippians in your Bible and in my Bible was written during one of Paul's most difficult, most traumatic, most severe suffering kind of time. He actually wrote this while he was in prison. He wrote this while he was shackled, literally shackled to the floor 24 hours a day. He's in prison and he's in prison for preaching the gospel and they don't like it. They're busy persecuting him. They don't like the fact that he's sharing the gospel, that he's sharing his faith. So they literally jail him 
And this, he knows, he's, he's probably busy writing one of his last letters because he is awaiting in this moment his execution. He's waiting to die. And Philippians, believe it or not, is actually known, it's actually known as the happiest of the New Testament letters. <laughs> the most joyful of the New Testament letters. And that's the backdrop. A man shackled to the ground 24 hours a day, literally awaiting his execution. Now, my question is, how is that possible? How is it possible for Paul to write? He's busy writing, what happened to me? My imprisonment, my probably impending execution is actually for Christ. It's leading to good things. How can he write that? I believe he can write that because he discovered the first weapon when it comes to defeating negative thoughts. Remember, negative means anything that disagrees, denies, or refuses the work of God, God's ideal, God's best for you in your life. I believe Paul discovered something here in prison that helped him win that battle in his mind when it came to the negative thoughts that he had to wrestle with. Because let's be honest, he probably had a lot of negative thoughts to wrestle with. <laughs> He could have, he probably was sitting here thinking, God, why? Why am I here? I gave up everything to follow you. I gave up my life. I gave up what was comfortable. I gave up what I knew. I gave up my wealth and my security to do the good work of preaching the gospel and look at where it's landed me. I'm literally waiting to die. Now, I know we've probably not, we haven't thought exactly like that, but how many of us haven't thought somewhere in our life, God, why am, why am I here? I'm trying my best to follow you. I spend time with you. I try to be obedient to you. I live according to your word. Why am I being mistreated? Why is my workplace so unfair? Why don't my relationships work out? Why isn't life going the way it should be going for me? I try to follow you. If you've thought that, then you're in the right company because that is in essence what Paul was thinking. But I believe he discovered the very first weapon when it comes to how we defeat negative thinking. And the very first weapon I'm going to call the God lens. Okay, I'm going to explain that in a moment. But here's the reality. Everything that you and I experience day after day, week after week, month after month, everything you experience, we actually filter through a certain set of lenses throughout our lives. Call it biases, call it inner beliefs, but I'm going to choose the word lens for tonight. But every single thing that you and I go through, we filter through a certain lens. The lens that we filter our life through, it's based on where we come from, how we grew up up, my race, my culture, all of those things, but your whole life helps to build certain lenses which you then use to look at your life. It leads you to a space where you believe certain things about yourself, you believe certain things about the world, and you believe certain things about God. Simple example of this. If you maybe grew up with a father that wasn't around a lot, he was busy or away or you never even knew him, but if you grew up with an absent father, then in all likelihood you have a certain lens that you look through your relationships day after day. You might find it hard to trust men. 
You might find it hard to trust authority figures. Why? Because you're looking through a certain lens based on experience that you've had growing up. Now, that's all actually very normal. It's normal for us to approach life looking through certain lenses, certain biases or inner beliefs that govern my life. But the problem, the problem with most of the lenses that you and I use, the problem with most of the inner beliefs and the biases that determine our life, they're flawed. They're based on temporary things. They are dependent on how hungry I am, how tired I am, what time of the month it is in terms of my finances. If it's the start of the month, woo, God is good, life is great. If it's the end of the month, I'm not sure if God is great because I don't have any money left. The lenses we look through mostly are flawed. They aren't strong enough to actually carry the weight of life that we walk around with. So you and I need a new lens. We need a different way of thinking. We need a different way of looking at life. And I believe this is what Paul discovers in Philippians. He discovers a new way of thinking. He discovers a different way of looking, a different way of thinking. And then remember, thinking leads to living and doing. But he discovers a new way of going about life. Let's look at what he discovers. Verse 12, I'm going to read it again. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. The first thing that I, that kind of struck my attention when reading the scripture is Paul is not making less of his suffering. He's not saying, oh, it's not that bad. Like, yeah, I don't get food. You know, I haven't, I have to like go to the bathroom while sitting here. I'm kind of like in my own, you know, I'm not going to finish that sentence. He's not making less of what he's experiencing. He's not sugarcoating his suffering. Not at all, because that's the temptation for us a lot of times, right? We sugarcoat things. It's not that bad. Children in Africa have it worse, right? We sugarcoat what we experience when we go through certain things in life. The very first thing, thing that struck my attention when reading this is Paul is honest about what he's experiencing. He's not making less of it. He, but he is saying, listen, I've discovered a new way of looking at this. I've discovered a different lens that I can use to judge my experience at this moment. And what was that lens? It was the lens of God's perspective the lens of God's agenda. And that actually brought him to the place where he's able to say, what happened to me, get this, served to advance the gospel. It is only a very real and very loving and powerful God that can actually lead someone in prison awaiting his execution to say, I don't mind what's happening because it's actually advancing the gospel. More people are getting to know the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of God while I am bound in shackles. So take note, Paul is not, uh, what's the word? Paul is not interpreting God's goodness through his circumstances, no. He's interpreting his circumstances through God's goodness. Can you see it's a different lens? It's a different way of thinking. It's a different way of going about life. Let's read. It goes on to say, 
verse 13. It has become known throughout the whole imperial guard that those are two words that are really important when I say why now. And to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. So those two words, imperial guard, they inform us who Paul is speaking about. He's still talking about the Romans. And if you go read to the New Testament, Paul really had a longing all throughout his ministry to get to Rome because he wants to preach to the Romans because he knows that if he can get to Rome, that is a very important, very strategic, very successful place. If he can get there and start preaching, the gospel will spread. But he wasn't able to. He was, uh, he couldn't get there. And then he actually lands in prison next to Roman guards. <laughs> So he realizes, listen, I've had this desire, this dream to preach in Rome all my ministry, but now I'm in jail. But luckily, there are Roman guards sitting next to me. <laughs> they keep watch over me 24 hours a day to make sure I don't escape. What am I going to do? I'm going to put on different lens, a different way of thinking, which leads to a different way of doing. And I am going to preach to the Romans. It's just in prison. It's not on a pulpit. <laughs> Can you see the different way of thinking kind of filtering through? He ends off by saying, and most of the brothers having, so these brothers, he's referring to other followers of Jesus, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment. He's saying it's good for other followers of Jesus that I am in jail. It's a different way of thinking. And then he says, they are now even more bold to speak about God. Can you see the different the different lens, the different approach, the different way of thinking that Paul has discovered in this moment. So let's make this personal for just a second. Think about your own life, what you're going through, some of the questions you may have, some of the fears you may carry. What would a God lens look like where you are at? Consider your own anxiety. Consider your own fear about your future or your security or your income or your bank account or your future relationship or spouse or whatever. What would a God lens look like there? What would a God lens look like when it comes to the bitterness that you carry, the unforgiveness you maybe struggle with? What would a God lens look like in the temptation that you struggle with, the sinful habits that you try to hide that's becoming more and more difficult to hide? What would God's perspective look like in that, in that moment, in that situation? Because remember, if you think differently, your life starts to look different. One last thought, and then I'm going to move on to our second and last scripture for the evening. The idea of a God lens, and this is very, very important, because we can so easily just turn this into very like fluffy, positive thinking, psychology, and that's not what we want to do with this series because it can very easily lead to that. Just thinking, you know, think better, be better, do better, and life will be better. That's not what we're about because the idea and the truth and even the theology of a God lens is impossible if you do not live in proximity with Jesus. If you don't live in proximity with Jesus, then this will be very fluffy, positive thinking psychology and it will not last. <laughs> 
But proximity with Jesus makes this possible because I can only have the mind of Christ and think like Christ and live like Christ if I know Christ. If I don't know Christ, then all of this will be very religious and you will be tired and burnt out within a week, I guarantee it. So before you move on to asking the question, what would a God lens look like in this fear, this anxiety, this situation, this struggle? First, ask yourself, do I have proximity with Jesus? That's the most important question you need to answer before any other question we ask tonight. Second scripture, let's move on. Second weapon that Paul discovers in his journey in jail is the weapon of thanksgiving. So Paul starts his letter to the Philippians and he says, listen, I've discovered something. I've discovered a different way of thinking and it's actually brought me to a place where I can celebrate the fact that I'm in jail waiting to be killed because I know God is using this. More people are getting saved. People are discovering the love, the mercy, the forgiveness of God. He starts his letter like that. Let's read it how Paul ends his letter to the Philippians. Philippians 4 from verse 6 to 8. He writes, in everything, by prayer and supplication with, this is our key word, thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And this is where I want to get at. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. The peace of God that surpasses the way I think. The peace of God that overrules the war that is busy taking place. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will do what? It will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Paul ends his letter by saying, be thankful. Why be thankful? Because it leads to peace. The peace that comes from thanksgiving and being thankful acts as a guard when it comes to my heart and my mind. And then he ends off by saying, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. It's important that we read that word think, because why would Paul say anything that's good, anything that's just, anything that's merciful, think about those things. Why would he use the word think? Because he's realized the way you think determines the way you live. This is how he ends his letter. He ends his most joyous letter ever with that encouragement. I want to invite the worship team to join me on stage, quick and easy, really simple tonight. But I'm hoping that as we spend time in the word, you're actually discovering more and more of Jesus as we go along. I'm going to end off with this. I want to end off by looking at our last scripture, Isaiah 26, verse 3. The prophet writes and he says, You keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you. That word mind in Isaiah refers to that same word at the start, the way we calculate, the way we put together our inner belief system, the way I form my filters and the lenses and the biases that I walk around with. If that can be focused on Jesus, again, I see the promise of peace available to me. In the message translation, that same verse reads like this, people, people, 
with their minds set on you, you keep completely whole. That word peace, or that, that word, yeah, that word peace that we read about speaks of um, the word shalom. It speaks of a, a perfect rest that is available for people that focus their attention on Jesus. Because remember, wherever my attention goes, the things I think about the most, that is the direction where my life goes to. So if God is the one who fills my mind, my life will head in the direction of God. And then lastly, that word stayed in that first translation where it says, whose mind is stayed on you. That word literally refers to the action of leaning against or relying upon or leaning on. It speaks about putting your weight on something. So it's actually busy writing whoever puts their full weight on God, rests upon Him, leans upon Him, focuses on Him, turns my attention to Him. Peace is available. And what happens after war? Peace. Peace time comes after war. I want to invite you to stand with me. Well, I realize I say that every time and now I can't say stand with me and not stand. So I'll stand as well. We're going to end off just with a time of worship together. But one last, just very simple idea from my side. I think one of the best things that you can do with your life, and I'm convinced the best thing that I can do with my life, definitely, and I'll put up my hand first for this, is to fill my mind with the things of God, to fill my mind with how Christ thinks, to fill my mind with how God goes about life, because that's what you and I were made for. And I think one of the, one of the best and one of the most practical ways in which we can discover this, filling my mind with God, leaning upon Him, that staying upon Him. One of the best ways in which you can discover that as a Christ follower is this. You can forget everything I just said, but it's this thing and it's not revolutionary, I promise, but it's this, spending time in God's Word, reading the Word, spending time in your Bible. But I know for a lot of us, and I'll again put up my hand first for this. I know for a lot of us, reading the Bible is hard. It's difficult to understand, or it's boring, or it's hard to get up early and do that. I think a lot of us, we want to fill our minds with God. We want to fill our minds with how God thinks and how He goes about life. But I find reading my Bible really difficult. I can't get into that habit. I'm not sure how to read because sometimes it's, it's difficult to understand. I, can't, I don't understand the words. It's high English and I'm not that smart. All those different things. 
And I want to share something with you that we're going to be doing in our new term that's coming. That's why I can't wait for the holiday to be over because then it means we're actually going to get busy again in this church family because we are busy designing something. And I don't want to use the word course because it lacks the weight of what I'm trying to communicate. But for lack of a better word, I will use the word course. But we're busy designing something that us as a church family, morning and evening service, is going to be doing for the first few weeks when it comes to our new term kicking off that we are going to call deeper and the whole point of deeper is to grow in your love for the word of God so if you find it hard if it's difficult or if you've been reading your Bible for years and you want to discover something of the new treasure that is available to you when you study when you read if you don't know what filters do I need what lenses do I need what tools do I need to read the word of God then my friend my brother my sister this is something you do not want to miss out on because for the next term in this church family the one thing that we are going to put most of our energy into is that thing growing in our love for the word of God I want to pray with you and then we're going to worship I want to pray with you because I think that our thoughts they wander easy and I don't mean wander in the sense of, okay, Aiden, wrap it up because I'm hungry or wrap it up because it's almost time for the MNET movie or whatever the case may be. But I mean our thoughts wander in the sense of it is pulled in a direction that is far from God, where we struggle to worship God. And I want to pray with you tonight that by God's grace and by His Holy Spirit, that He will empower you, that He will give you grace and boldness to fix your thoughts upon Him, to turn your gaze and your attention towards Him. So if that is true, if that rings true in your heart, if you want to think more like Jesus and then live more like Jesus after that, just raise your hands with me. Let's pray and then we're going to end off by worshiping together. Father, we thank You that because of the good work of your son, Jesus, we can have the mind of Christ. Thank you that I can have my mind renewed. I can have my thoughts renewed. I can have a new way of approaching life, a new way of thinking about life, a new way of approaching everything I go through, a new way of approaching my finances, a new way of approaching my sexuality, a new way of approaching my purpose and whatever you have for me, God, because of your son, Jesus. And tonight, Father, in faith, we as a church family just want to declare, Holy Spirit, come and renew our thoughts. Come and renew our minds as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's worship together. What a message. If you feel that someone would benefit from this, share it with them. We are all about family on mission.